What is up, you guys? Welcome back to another episode of PSA. I'm your host, Molly Lee, and I am genuinely so excited that you're here today for a first week back after a couple weeks of ghosting all of you. Um, yeah, I, I, I think most of you know I've posted about it now and had talked a little bit about it in the movie club episodes, but I have just been going through a lot personally. Um, kind of hit a breaking point. I'll, I'm going to talk about it all today. But I think a lot of the times, even though I fight for sharing about the middle, sharing about the in-between of life, of what it actually looks like, and encouraging other people that life is messy and it's complicated, and I just, I, I pride myself so much on displaying the true parts of life, the real parts of life, but I think too sometimes it's not helpful when you can't even figure out what's been going on. And so I think now I've, I've settled into a place where I've asked the tough questions and I've talked with a lot of my f- friends and, and just chatted through the areas that I have been struggling in um, to the place now that although I'm still in the middle of it, I have a lot of different perspective or at least even an understanding where I can pinpoint the pain that's been going on. And so on top of all of this personally... Um, I also had my grandpa in the hospital, which was really scary for a few days. Um, there, it was just like chaos and attacks on every single side. And I really had to evaluate what are all the things I'm juggling right now, um, with there still have, having been so much change in my life recently. It's like, what are the things that are, that I can allow to drop right now that I'm juggling? And what are the things that I have to keep moving and have to keep going. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to share today, actually, um, which is rare for me. I, I actually do love, like I said, sharing about the really vulnerable and difficult places because although it, it, it kind of makes my skin crawl when I think about how vulnerable I'm being and how much I'm sharing of my life with other people. I think, too, I just have a fear that sometimes it comes across as whiny. That's never my intention. I never say stuff looking for sympathy, genuinely. I share stuff because I wish I had other people sharing as well to not make me feel so alone and isolated so that when I do share, it it doesn't make me feel <laughs> like I'm looking for sympathy, you know? Does that make sense? It's like the circular conversation of the more we share, the more normal it becomes for other people to share, and it also affirms the deep places um, and the really difficult places that people are walking through. And I think, honestly, the last few weeks, I recognized, A, even though I love change, how much change really does affect you. I think, B, I was blocking out so much and suppressing subconsciously. I didn't realize that I had actively compartmentalized a lot of things and not processed them. Um, And I think the thing that I've learned most about myself, especially the last few years of my life, is that I'm a deep feeler. I care about people deeply. It burns me a lot, actually, because I, I don't know how to set boundaries all the time. I'm not saying like, oh, I care so much about people and they hurt me. No, it's it's self-inflicted that I don't set boundaries with people that I know aren't deserving of my time or attention or moving mountains to make things happen and end up burning myself out. And so the, it, there's this cycle that I see in my life pretty regularly um, that now I, I love a boundary. And I've, this year I've especially learned to love a boundary and just straight up say no to people and realize that it's not offensive. <laughs> But also on top of that, I think 
you just have to give yourself grace to learn to learn yourself in those ways, to learn patterns, and to actually recognize what was a one-off situation that you can just give yourself grace and move on from, and what's the recurring thing that you need to address. And so I, I, I know a lot of you have seen my post that I posted about grief. Um, that's really what I want to talk about today is all of the places of my heart that I had blocked out thinking that it was stupid to be sad about. Um, or that it was stupid to even be feeling, and not recognizing that, like, I could be mad all day that I'm a deep feeler. I could be mad all day thinking it's so stupid. I I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm emotional. Maybe I'm just trying to stay away from that word because it feels like a horrible word to me. I don't know why. Um, but I am a really deep feeler, and it, it takes me a couple days to process things. I can make quick decisions in a moment, but if I'm really going to process it and make a truly wise decision or process things to actually understand what I'm feeling, I have to process over time. And this timeline looked like about a week and a half of actually pinpointing what the heck was going on with me. And it was grief. It was deep grief, maybe some of the most confusing and hurtful pain that I've felt in the last few years. Um, and so I, I first want to share about what was happening specifically that kind of led me to a bit of a spiral almost <laughs> because what I what I realized this week specifically and last week is as humans we have a high capacity to carry really really difficult things and we have a high capacity to carry a lot of things at one time and what was always so confusing for my brain is how at sometimes my capacity was way less than other times. It was like even like even in the times where I would consider myself to have a high capacity for things, whether that was walking friends through things while I had a lot going on in my life and doing all this other stuff and volunteering, whatever it was, I just considered myself to have a really high capacity to carry a lot of things at once and do all of them decently well. And then there were other times where even one task added onto my plate when I didn't have much going on would just crush me and crumble me and I, I couldn't handle it. And so I started asking myself the question of what's different in those situations? And I realized that our capacities, for the most part, at least for myself, my capacity stays the same. My capacity in general of all that I can carry stays the same. And in the times that we think we have a really high capacity for leadership or we have a really high capacity to take on more projects or to do something else, it doesn't actually mean that we're just somehow expanding all the things that we can carry. It means that we stop giving time and attention to other things because we only have 100% of ourselves to give. And some people's 100% actually looks like 200% and there's a comparison game of like, why can they give so much more than I can? But we don't realize the toll that emotional and mental well-being can take of our capacity. And like I mentioned earlier, I so often subconsciously push things away or compartmentalize things without even noticing. And part of the reason why that happens is whenever there's something going on in my life, I can recognize how weighty it is or how painful it's going to be to process. And without even thinking about it, I just press it down 
or I, or I say like, oh, well, I'm so glad that that's taken care of. Like I'm, I'm at peace with that or that's great. It's like I justify that, no, if I just ignore it or if I just tell myself it's okay, I don't have to worry about it or it is what it is, then I won't think about it and I won't worry about it. And I, th- I think what I, what I've recognized too about myself the past few weeks is whenever you compartmentalize things, it doesn't mean that it goes away. It just means that that weight and the capacity and time and attention that it would already take, the pain that you acknowledge it would it would feel to process all of that, the pain that would come from processing that, even though you have to, we think that compartmentalizing it, or at least I do, I think in my mind, like, I'll, I'll put off this pain until later. But what I didn't realize is it went underground and festered and grew into even more pain comes in the it comes back in the form of stress right and so that even without recognizing it that takes a huge toll of our capacity because we can't operate at a hundred percent if we're not sleeping because we're so anxious and stressed and still ignoring everything and become like really apathetic about life it's like the whole cycle starts again so all of that being said, that's a lot of setup, um, but I, I do think it's important to say. I do think all of that is very important to say, but practically what I had started seeing in my day-to-day is I would be so happy at work in my new job because I love it so much. I'm working back. Um, I know I haven't really said. It made me feel weird to say it. I don't know why. I think, too, I don't want to like be a liability <laughs> to other people based on my personality and my craziness. I don't know. Um, but I'm working back at my church that I grew up in again. Um, and I, I've loved it so far. It's been so good for me. I'm back working with a team of guys that honestly feel like my brothers and that I've been pretty close with for many, many years. Um, and it just feels like it's the right, I mean, I, I know without a shadow of a doubt that I was supposed to take this job again. I still don't really know why, but it was so evident and so clear that this is what the Lord was asking of me. And I did it gladly. It's not a thing of I was like, oh God, if you want me to do that, I'll do it and I'll lay down, whatever. There was a little bit of that just because my pride was in the way of like, do I want to do this? But at the same time, I I went with a, a glad spirit feeling like the Lord had opened a lot of doors that I had been praying for, even if it's obviously not what I thought it would look like again. So I'm so happy every day at my job. I'm having so much fun. It's basically just like a a buffoonery fest all day long. But I would get in my car to drive home and I would weep and I would sob. And I knew it was about my job. And it was like, why is this happening? I'm so freaking happy. Like I'm out of the house again. I think that's a huge piece for me is like I'm still doing all of my part-time stuff and freelance stuff. But I just needed to not be by myself anymore for my own depression and mental health sake. And what better place to be than with people that are my family genuinely. Um, So it was really confusing when you drive home every day and you're weeping and you're like, but I'm I'm happy and I'm glad I took this job. And so I want to read the post that I had written because it was more than just the job. I started literally, I mean, I can't even tell you, like, there were so many other things that came up as I was, like, starting the process of grieving. So, I want to read the post that I had written. I know most of you have probably already read it, so I'm sorry if this is weird, but I'm mentally drained and exhausted still because of how much 
I've been having to sit with my own thoughts that I, I want to read this and then kind of reflect on it and share where I'm at. So I wrote, grief is weird. It invades your body and your mind in a devastating fashion. You start to feel insecure in the concrete things and become hyper aware of how infuriating it is that you can't fix yourself and just get over things. I was confused when the familiar stages became evident since nothing traumatic happened to me recently. I was trying to find any other explanation besides the obvious. I'm learning that I need to allow myself the space to actively grieve the seemingly small things and even the things I never had in the first place. So, I'm grieving. I'm grieving where I'm at in life versus where I thought I would be at this point. I'm grieving the dreams I had and the doors that have shut. I'm grieving how much my depression has stolen and how fearful it makes me of my own brain. I'm grieving that I'm not in the same life stage as most of my friends, and I'm even mad that I can't ne- that I can never seem to be content or settled with my life. And you know what? It might be some of the deepest and most confusing pain I've ever felt. One, because it feels gross and silly to grieve the what-ifs when people have real pain. And two, it beckons me to release control, trust God with my future, and challenges my view of his character. And then I shared, I really don't know why I felt compelled to share this other than affirming that you're not crazy for the thoughts you've been having and the pain you've been feeling. If it's there, it's there. Part of healing that pain is simply acknowledging it and not running from it. I think sometimes we try to find out the why instead of caring for ourselves and allowing the Lord to care for us in the way we obviously need it, no matter how stupid it seems to us. More than anything, I think the kindest thing we can do is extend grace to ourselves and process disappointments instead of shutting them away. So, (laughs) I know there's a lot to unpack and... There is kind of a humorous aspect to this that I shared as well, where a lot of people thought that most of this post was stemming out of a place of being a very sad girl about being single, um, which is a whole nother topic for another day. I know I've, I've talked about that a few times on the podcast about how actually more hurtful it is that our culture, and specifically if you grew up in West Texas or in the Bible Belt, or even just in the church in general, you probably know what I mean when I talk about the, the hyper-focus that is on specifically single women and the assumption that they're always sad and the assumption that um, their life is miserable or doesn't start until they get married. I had so many messages. I'm not kidding. I had so many messages of people saying like, I'm praying for you and all the other girls in your season I know how hard it is, didn't get married till I was in my 40s, whatever. Like, and then I actually had a friend message me and she was like, this is so funny that you posted this because I literally had one of her friends that I don't know, like had texted her and was like, hey, you need to reach out to Molly. Like she's in the similar stage of life that we are where we've, you know, we both were, were single and grieving, all of that, like reach out to her. And it, it's just so funny to me that that's the assumption when that was never the intention or the source of my pain when I was posting that. Um, and I do think that, like, there are times where, of like, of course, it's, it's hard when you're, like I said, you're not in the same life stage as most of your friends, but that doesn't mean that I'm, like, craving or dying to, like, be having children at this point in my life. I have never struggled to celebrate my friends and celebrate their seasons, even if it's something at a point in time that they had that I didn't, that I was praying for. 
But I think when when there's such a hyper focus on specifically single women in the church and how sad they must be all the time and how everyone always tells me, oh my gosh, I've, I've just been praying for you specifically and your future husband for years. It's like, that makes me mad. And I have allowed two people in my life that know me the best and love me so much that believe in those dreams for me. And that's all I need right now because I don't like focusing on that to make it feel like I'm being left out of something. (laughs) And then the days that I am sad about not being in a relationship or having those feelings that are natural, you're not stupid or crazy for having those feelings, it's natural. Um, When I do have those feelings, I feel like I can't talk about them because then everyone for the rest of time is just going to assume that that's the reason why I'm depressed or that's the reason why I'm sad when that's not it at all. That was a little bit of a rant, but the the reason why I posted this was mainly because I had been working all of my adult life towards a very specific set of goals, a very specific view of what I thought my life would look like, and it doesn't. And there are pieces of it that I've achieved, but chasing after a lot of dreams that I don't think were selfish endeavors, I do think that they were like God-given dreams and God-breathed dreams. So it, it brings another spiritual component to grieving when I have already gone through so much. And I know I shared a lot about it this past summer um, where I was just very honest of like, I am at a crossroads right now where I know I either have to figure this out or I'm going to walk away from the Lord forever. And I was like settled in that place. I was content with it. It, it just makes it so much more complicated when the spiritual aspects are added in and that I'm working back at a church now. Um, and I, I don't want people to mishear me at all. I, I want to reiterate again that I'm, I'm so grateful. And these people through every single really scary and difficult season of my life, they were always the people that I could run to. But part of the reason why I still felt safe to run to them is because they were always chasing after me. They always were calling me and checking in on me and offering me a seat at their table and a seat in their office. And they would clear their schedules for me when I would be in town. And they would let me cry and weep in their office when probably all they wanted to do was like catch up and have a good time. They would allow me the space to process with them and to deal with the the stuff that was happening inside of me. And because I, I've trusted them, I've grown up with them, They have, a lot of them have raised me in a lot of ways, um, I, I don't hide anything from them. So they knew the times where I was like, man, I hate God right now. And I'd be like, man, I just hate, I hate God so much and I don't understand him and I don't want to be a Christian and it frustrates me that I, that some part of me knows that for the rest of my life I'll have a relationship with God. Part of the reason that it affirmed that this was home for me is these leaders were like, man, that's so real and I don't know one person that hasn't walked through that. And I'm so grateful for them. Anyways, all of that being said, I never want this to sound like I view them as the enemy or I view them as like, I can't believe they would like allow me to take this job again. No, I think on both sides, it it was so right in the way that all of it happened. But there there was a process of grief that I didn't go through of like, man, I can be so happy right now, but it is weird and it is sad and it's honestly devastating that... I'm, I'm wrestling through right now, like, there was always a part of me that knew if, if these things were going to happen, if these dreams were going to happen, it would happen in my early 20s. And I'm not saying that these other dreams or that some of the dreams I have can't still happen, 
but just logistically, you know, I love logistics. Logistically, it doesn't make sense. And now I'm having to wrestle through the tension of like, okay, I, I thought that all of these things would happen. And I thought that this specifically was a yes from God. But now I'm so sure that the place that I'm in now is the yes. So how does that add up? And I'm, I'm grieving the life that I thought I would have. I'm grieving the fact that I, I was really convinced and I had had conversations with people and I had had people reach out to me. There was such a spirit of ease with it that I wasn't even having to seek people out. I was having people literally email me with opportunities and I was fully convinced that my next move was either going to be living abroad like I've always wanted to, um, or living in LA or New York very specifically chasing after some dreams of writing and of comedic things and doing some other things of that nature. And it, it's such a, I don't even want to say humbling because I, I don't ever want to reiterate in my mind that I feel like in any way this is a punishment or like affirm that view of God that is so easy to have that like because we didn't do XYZ, he will not give us XYZ. I don't, I don't view God that way. I don't view God that way at all. And I don't want to, because sometimes it's easy to, but I'm in this place now where I'm having to grieve those dreams. I'm having to grieve the, the place that I thought I would be. And honestly, I, I realized how many intrusive thoughts I have every day that for some reason, part of the hand I was dealt is that I am convinced I'm a burden and a bother to others. And I I call it my burden complex. And every single day, I literally have to sit there and be like, hey, this person doesn't hate you. They're just busy. Or like, hey, this, this friend doesn't sit and talk bad about you behind your back. You know, like, like, that's not what all of your friends do. They don't, they don't just sit there and do that. Like, you can trust these friends. Um, and just the intrusive thoughts that I have are so deep that I'm constantly having to, to repeat the thoughts that I'm having and ask myself if they're true or if I'm going to, like, allow those thoughts to roll my mind that day. So, it's, it's true what I wrote about, like, it's not just my depression that makes me scared of my own brain. It's, the intrusive thoughts that I have makes me scared of my own brain and I'm grieving the fact that I know it's it's time to um, get medicated for a lot of the things that happen with my depression and anxiety specifically um, and I'm grieving the fact that even though I, I have a counselor and I've been making leaps and bounds and for a long time I thought, you know, my depression was pretty manageable and I think it was for a while Um, but I think in order to thrive in those areas, there is a truth that now, just the place that I'm in, I do need to take those steps. And there is a process of grief that comes along with that of, hey, if anyone in the world was able to fix me, it should have been me. Because not only do I understand myself really well, um, I'm not only in counseling, but I studied counseling And there were so many times in class that I would sit there and read through stuff and it was like I was self-diagnosing almost of like, oh yeah, this makes sense. This makes sense. It's like, not only do I have the experience, I have the knowledge and the education to back it up. And it's like, if anyone should have been able to fix me, it should have been me. And I can't. I can't do it. 
And I know we weren't designed to fix ourselves, but man, what a devastating realization to come to over and over and over again in your life of like, I I come to this place all the time of like, I can't fix myself and I'm not designed to and that's okay. We're not designed to fix ourselves. We're not designed to carry that burden. Of course, we can like take all of these steps and do all of these things. But at the end of the day, like we we don't have that ability. We don't have that capacity to like solve all of our own problems all the time. We just don't. We're not supposed to. That's why we have other people. That's why we have family. That's why we have friends to help us. That's why there's medication. That's why there's all of these things in our life. Because we're we were not designed to fix every single one of our problems all the time. But it is a devastating reality to and realization to come to of, wow, I'm human. Because <laughs> I personally, I don't know about you, I personally sometimes forget that I'm human and that doesn't mean that I'm weak. Like, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to mess up. It's okay to X, Y, Z. And I think on top of all of this too, I've just had a lot of roots of performance start coming up in my life that I've recognized. And that um, it's one of the hardest things. It's one of the hardest things to rewrite your brain from the way that you not only feel safe and secure that you've learned how to operate, but it was ingrained into you at some point in your childhood that you really can't be free from until you identify. When did this start in my life? When did this start in my life that um, I, I, I learned that, okay, in order to be loved, I, I have to do this. Or if I want to know that, that this person loves me and likes me and isn't mad at me, I have to do this for them. Or I have to be the best at this so I get praised from these people. And I, I've started to realize some of those places and it is, there's no other word besides devastating. And that's one of the, the most exhaustive things that I'm feeling right now is the devastation of that. But even though like, I... I think the reality of where I felt like I was going to be at at this point in my life obviously comes out in my job and the job that I have now because even though the job that I have isn't the enemy and in a lot of ways it is like the cornerstone right now that's holding me together is being back around my people every day. That's the whole reason why I moved to Abilene. When I moved back, I felt so much peace about it. It was going to be around my people And I knew that that meant a sacrifice of location. That meant a sacrifice of a lot of dreams that went hand in hand with that. And I was excited for it. But again, you you do have to grieve those places. It's not stupid that it's there. It's not stupid that it's there. And I, for a while, was convincing myself that like, man, I I like, was this job the right decision for me? Do I need to quit? Like all of this stuff. And I'm glad I wrestled through it to realize like, no, I'm, I'm super happy in this job but I'm just going to have to grieve and realize the things that I need to get over. Okay, I chose this. At the end of the day, I chose to move back to Abilene. I chose it. There there wasn't anyone that forced me with a gun to my head. It's not a thing where you can pull the God card and be like, well, God, God spoke this and I'm just, I'm having to move back and pack all my bags. It's like, no, I chose this. So knowing that I chose this, part of get quote, getting over it is refocusing well, why did I want to move home in the first place? It was to be around my people again. Um, because even separating, I do think it's it's holy and, and good to grieve these things that I'm grieving. I think it will not only help me sort out my own brain, but will help me sort out my view of God and my trust issues and trusting that 
hey, some of these dreams were there for a reason and they, they will come back around. I didn't miss my chance. I didn't miss my opportunity. And I trust that God is going to bring those things back. But at the same time, I'm really grateful that I have a little bit more perspective and understanding on it now. And I've seen things from a different perspective because it allowed me to see like, man, how much how much was stolen from me over the last few weeks by being really confused, thinking that I had made a mistake when it was actually like, I'm basically living in the days that I had been praying for. So I think there is, there's just so much that I'm still having to sort through though and realize. And I think one of the biggest things, like I felt like I was supposed to post about it literally the day after I realized that I had been grieving and I didn't know that I had been grieving because it felt stupid. And the thing is, I know comparative grief is dumb it is literally the most unhelpful thing to compare your situation to what someone else is walking through. But practically, I was just seeing like, all right, I'm sad because I'm not live, laugh, loving, um, you know, being young, wild, and free in Spain right now, living my best life, while my other friends are grieving the fact that their mom just found out that she has cancer. And another one of my friends, they're both grieving that they had miscarriages. And then this other friend is still grieving um, and coming to terms with X, Y, Z. So in my mind, it's like, well, I I can't talk to these friends about what I'm going through because it doesn't compare to what they're going through. And I do think it's kind to be sensitive to those things, obviously, and to not let your own grief keep you from engaging with your other friends that are grieving. But at the same time, like I said, it it was so confusing because of how painful all of this was. It, it's so painful because it makes you feel like a failure. You, you evaluate every single step that you made. If you really heard God, if you wasted four years doing all this other stuff, like you question so many things. And the, the part that I talked about with grief of it makes the concrete things feel like they're gone. Um... like you become so insecure in those things that you always were like, all right, well, I know, I know that this was what I was supposed to do, whatever. And then you sit there and you're like, well, was I supposed to do that? Or you're like, well, no matter what, I know this friend is always there for me and this mentor is there and they're going to help me through this. And then you go through all of this and you're like, well, man, I, I just have convinced myself that they hate me and I can't talk to them about it. Like, grief just messes with your mind. It messes with your mind and I still feel really silly. I still feel really silly even talking about this right now that all of this stuff that I'm sincerely grieving and I'm sincerely hurting, um, it, it feels so dumb because like I said, I do have friends that are going through so much but I think another part of the problem is I, I blocked all of this out for so long because I do love change and it was also exciting and so much was happening. And now that I really feel settled in my new job, I feel settled in all these other places, there wasn't anything taking my time or attention anymore where it was like, all right, let's circle back to some of the other stuff that I suppressed without realizing it. And I think so much of it too is is coming out of that thought process that I will never be content with my life, a deep fear that I'm never going to be content or satisfied, or settled in my life. And for a lot of people, that's great with their personality because that's their driving factor of like, I'm never going to be content. I have the capacity for so much more. I'm going to keep going. For me, it's my biggest fear. It's my biggest fear is that all of my life, I'm going to be searching for something impossible. 
I'm going to be searching for change. I'm going to be searching for things to be different. I'm going to be searching for for something to be mixed up because the idea of planting roots somewhere and living in that same town for the rest of my life just makes me want to die and cry. I'm just tired. <laughs> I'm I'm rambling. I know I am. Um, that's what the podcast has been a lot these days is just a lot of rambling as I find my words and I find my footing. But I... I I, again, this week, even though I posted about all of it, I was like, I just, I don't know that I should put out a show because I still don't have my thoughts about it. And I know that, man, I just, I hope that someone takes something from this or is encouraged by this or at least feels seen because it truly devastates me to know and to have heard this past week that so many other people are feeling this exact same thing. So even if this podcast is just for the purpose of us having a bit of a pity party together while we're in the middle of it, then so be it. And everyone who's on the other side, like, if this is hard for you to listen to, I'm sorry, but it's where I'm at. And I'm, it's not worth it to me to fake being better for the sake of entertaining people because that just perpetuates my roots of performance. So I'm, I'm really grateful for this space. I'm grateful that even though it feels really dumb, to sit in my room and talk to myself for hours at a time. And even though it feels really silly to do the podcast, and sometimes when I think about doing the podcast and I think about how many people are listening and how many people have heard really vulnerable things, it makes me want to throw up and it makes me cringe and it makes me want to move out into the wilderness and go off the grid and never be heard or seen from again. Um, I, I do I do recognize that this is so therapeutic for me and I'm so grateful for it. Like, I'm so grateful for, this is going to sound gross and I don't mean it to, but there's no other way to talk about it other than I'm so grateful for the platform that I was entrusted with for whatever reason. Um, and I feel like I'm just failing constantly at it and that it should have been given to anyone else. I don't know why it was given to me, but I'm grateful for it. And if my mess is what it's supposed to be used for, it seems to be the thing that connects with people the most, then, like, so be it. I'm just, I don't know. I don't really have any other thoughts besides I'm still in the middle of it. I'm grieving a lot. You can think it's dumb all day if you do think it's dumb, but maybe one day you'll be at a place where you you just are so broken by questioning every decision you've ever made in your life up to this point and wondering and grieving what your life could have looked like or what you did wrong or what you did right and not knowing the difference between the two because you're so confused and wrapped up in so much hurt and so even if you're not in this place maybe just maybe extend grace to those who are to those people that you think are crazy and should quote just get over it or just move on um that's that's my only ask out of this podcast is that you just extend grace to people of where they're at and what they're going through. Gosh, I wish other people were honest. It, I think it would make us all feel less crazy if we were just honest. So I'm off my soapbox now. I've really been on like four different tangents soapboxes today. So um, love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for I think I'm I'm reclaiming more and more that this is my safe space. This is my therapeutic place. And it's just weird that other people are here with me. So for those that have listened and have stayed and are here with me still, I'm really grateful. And 
I, if you're enjoying my ramblings and ranting still after a year and a half almost, then like, wow. <laughs> Can you tell I'm brain fried? All right. Love you so much. I'm on all socials at mollylee31 if you want to send me more hate mail or tell me that you're praying for my husband. Um, that'll get you, like, muted really fast, by the way. Or if you um, want to follow along with the podcast, it's on Instagram only at Painfully Self-Aware Podcast. We're going to make it. We're going to make it somehow. We're going to look back in 10 years on these days and be like, that pain was real, but also, wow, we got on the other side, so... I'm believing it for both of us. Love you guys. Talk to you next week. See ya.